Episode 63 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. Howdy, howdy. You look tired. I am tired. It's because you got your microchip. I, no, that is yeah. not. I did the not government is now tracking you. Way to go. No, sir. No, sir. The bruise in your arm the proves bruise it. bruise is wicked, though. It really is. I feel great. Yeah. I, I was a little sleepy. Well, now I got to be careful what I say about you because they're listening. Oh, I'm sure they were listening to you before that. <laughs> How's it going, Robert? Good. Uh, it's a... Uh, Busy man, super busy. Yeah. yeah, that's that's like an understatement. To be honest with you, <laughs> at some point soon though, there's like a month off of shows. I think mm, July. There's like three June weeks, and July but... when we're moving. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that is right. So that doesn't really matter. Nope. Yeah. So there is no time yeah. to slow down. There's no time. No time between now and when we move to Texas. Yeah, we are officially moving to Texas. We have it's a house. It's on Facebook. It's Facebook official. We have a house officially rented. We don't have jobs, but Texas. we got a place to live. Yeah, we don't have jobs, yeah. <clears throat> but we have a house. We'll have jobs <clears throat> by my birthday. I'm confident. June, in June, we have shows three of the four weekends. Yeah, Conroe's in there. Ooh. Lafayette's in there. And Amarillo. And Amarillo. Oh, crap. We're doing And then the too. weekend between. Is when we're moving. Yes. Jesus We're Christ. moving Father's Day weekend. So my Father's yep. Day gift to you is paying for movers. Yay. So you don't have to do anything. I got to get Robert to bring his trailer over so I can move all my snakes. Yeah, that's on y'all. And then in July, we don't have anything till the 24th. So there's three weeks. With there you show. go. Oh, I'm going to be out of pocket for two weeks in July. But then we have one, two, three, four, five in a row. That's two podcast episodes that I won't be on because I have almost no cell signal on that mm. mountain. So we'll have to get a well, special make, guest co-host. Yeah. You'll make you'll make one reviewer happy, I guess. I guess so. Yes, it's like my favorite two weeks out of the year. That you're not on the podcast? It's messed up. No, that I have no cell signal and I'm on a mountain and it's glorious. I have air conditioning in my cabin and that's it. No TV, no nothing. You have fun with that. I'll be it's in Texas awesome. making racks. Apparently. <laughs> so. Yeah. If So we're running into it, just massive issues with supplies, tubs, heat tape. PV, I found I haven't even told you this yet, James. I found out yesterday that PVC is now becoming in short supply. Good My, thing your guy uh, ordered you a bunch. Yeah, well, that's almost gone. He just tried yeah. to order more, and, and they told him they might have more to ship in mid-May. Um, Damn. And the, they, I had a price increase last week on tubs, had a price increase last week on heat tape, had a price increase on screws, had a price increase on the shipping for all of it, and then he told me yesterday there's a price increase May 1st on PVC. Uh, so guess who else is going to have a price increase? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have to. Yeah. I think everybody is, though. It's all going to have to go up. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, but I have to. It it was obvious that a lot of this stuff was hard to get. I mean, even like the thermostat companies were having trouble getting stuff to make their thermostats. Yeah. I saw a meme earlier today that was like the cost to build a wooden deck in 2020 versus the cost to build a wooden deck today. And I don't know if the numbers were correct, but I feel like they are just based on how much everybody talked about lumber going up. So that's from Canada. That oh. mean is Canadian. So I did the math. I, I, I did a little bit of research on it because I don't just buy things at face value, especially with. Oh, yeah. It's Katie does. Sub- I do not. It's a, it's I a certain subset on like of six my websites. Thank you. I just didn't on that one because I didn't care enough. It's a certain subset of my friends that share it, you know. Um, <laughs> so 
I went and looked. The Canadian dollar's value has gone down no. versus the U.S. dollar since last year. And Just like that, Canada. Dang. So if you if, in American dollars, in American dollars, it's about eight hundred dollars difference, not the twenty nine hundred dollars difference that it that's shows. That's still, still a lot. Still, still a lot. lot. Still a lot, but Gosh. it's not nearly as significant as that meme makes it out to be. Yeah, it's. Ooh. Yeah, I love people. I'm gonna make my rack out of wood. Good luck with that. That's expensive. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, on rodent racks right now, I'm not. I'm pretty much a wash on those. Like I don't really make any money on those because I can't. I would have to raise the prices to like 400 bucks. And Gosh, nobody yeah. wants to pay that. Right. I don't well, want to charge that. It doesn't well, even feel right. Well, with that being said, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about our sponsors. If you're looking for a high quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit lsreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. Yes. Please. Before the price goes and, up. And then this, this, summer, <laughs> so, this summer, I'll be making them for you. That's right. So whoever orders them, two, I made them. There's two more days left in the month. So you have two days before the price increase hits. Because my price increase Ooh. is going to take effect May 1st on the website. Well, that's a, you're really assuming I'm going to get this podcast out there tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go ahead and mention our... I will. Herps Reptile Shows, which is what we've got this weekend. Yeah. I I feel like I've lived at Robert's house more in the last month than my own house. I, yeah. Well, because yeah. like la- last weekend, we weren't even supposed to see Robert. And then nope. Friday, we were like, hey, let's go to Houston and find a house. Uh, yeah. And then we went and stayed at Robert's. Yep. And then this weekend. And we found a house. <laughs> we're staying at, at, at the Hotel Powers. That's right. Yep. I'm going to start like. 20 minutes from the venue. I'm going to have to like clean your kitchen or something so that I feel like I'm, I'm working on my, you know, I'm not, I'm not cleaning shit. I'm I'll just, clean. <laughs> just want you to know that. I appreciate well, everything. Maybe I'm I'll cook Katie, breakfast one morning. Katie helped me last weekend. You cleaned those three new I did. See, I pull my weight, James. That's true. We'll get to yeah, that. Cause since last week I was given three, four by two by two enclosures, one with an adult turns out to be what? I was going to talk about it in a minute after we got through the sponsors. We'll go with the sponsors then. Fuck. <laughs> Anyways, this week, uh, Stafford, Texas is the next Herp show, May 1st, May 2nd. Then it is off to Pueblo, Colorado, which we will not be at. Robert will be at, but that is yep. May 15th, 16th. And then there's the Austin, Texas show, May 22nd, 23rd. We will not be at we that We will one. not be at that. Robert will be there, I'm sure. Uh, there's the Lafayette show, June 5th and 6th. We will be at that one. Yep. And then there is the Conroe, Texas, the 100th Herp Show in Conroe, Texas, June 12th, 13th. We're going to be the big one, and we're going to have an auction and <coughs> excuse me, and then uh, get to see Chris Eaton. And it's my birthday. The fat man. Oh, yeah, and it's Katie's birthday. It's important. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so It's all right. That, we'll celebrate the whole week. It'll that be is our nice. next few shows coming up. Our other sponsor, and I can't thank them enough, is Wiregrass Exotics. The Ruas at Wiregrass Exotics. Yeah. Uh, because of them, there are some some big changes coming. Our our podcast is going to sound different, hopefully, in about a month. Uh, for the better. For the better. We're, we're going to be able to do a little we're bit more. We're getting rid of James. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> respect, <laughs> respect me. No one has put it yet, but you need to respect me. Nope. Oh, okay. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. we got a new soundboard coming. i got a new mic, if anybody can tell. I don't know if anybody can actually tell. Listen to this, but we do have a new microphone, which is pretty cool. It's a fancier microphone. 
we're moving on up. He's so excited about the electronics, y'all. I am. I really just don't care. <laughs> but the next one, it's got fun buttons and colors. and oh, There will be sound effects. Apparently. There will be sound effects. Oh, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to have the... Bah, 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 bah. I'm getting that one. That's going to be a great sound effect. I don't know when I'll use it in a podcast, but I'm definitely hitting that button every now and then. Oh, my gosh. So. I feel like I should apologize in advance. No. It's going to be great. Mm. But, yes, definitely check out Wiregrass Exotics and Ozark. They open on... Yeah. June. Unless the date has changed, the 14th. 14th? June 14th. It may have changed. I don't know. It may have changed. I'm sure as as soon as Amanda or Dallas hears that, they'll message me and go, hey, this is what it was. (laughs) But check out Wiregrass Exotics on Facebook and keep updated with when they open. They're going to have a hot room, so they're actually going to have Venomous there if you'd be able to see, which would be really cool. And I know Dallas is planning on doing, uh, he hopes to have like, like, kind of like crafts, like come in like making uh, cages and tanks and doing bioactive stuff and He's hoping to be able to do that kind of stuff there, to be able to come in and do that. All right. So if they pay attention to Facebook, they know who our guest is this week. Yeah. So go ahead and bring him in. <laughs> I just, I like to make him wait. No, he's waited nine whole minutes, James. Nine, bring him in. I nine could whole not minutes. sit for nine minutes and be quiet. We waited for him. He can wait. I'm just oh, you hush. Bring him in. <laughs> our guest tonight is Dr. Travis Wyman. Yay. Again, for the, I don't know, like the 30th time, I think. People love him. <laughs> I don't know. One time he was on, I got busted by wildlife and fisheries. Oh, so that was that episode. That was not my fault. That you was got busted not his fault. I think, I think that's correlation, not causation. So, Ooh, my stars. Yeah, I, I actually had to go and Jesus Christ, quit hitting your table, Travis. <laughs> Sorry. They're playing. Play the drums on it. bongos on his table. <laughs> Uh, I actually had to go. I had to go get a public defender for the first time ever. Yeah. So that I could, so I don't get arrested for selling a carpet python. Yeah. My public defender laughed. He had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. It's been a, it's been an interesting couple days. I, I did not put all of that information on Facebook because no, that's I'll not my story there. to tell. Oh, um, fuck that that whole anyway. But I'm glad that it's being taken it care is being of. Taken and, care. We've got someone to help us out. So James will not go to jail. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> it's not over yet. There's still time. I'm, if I go to jail, I'm definitely going to have to lie for the reason I'm there. Oh be like, gosh. I'm in jail because I sold a snake. <laughs> I, I think that would be epic. You know, you would, you would, you would put a lot of, like, they'd be like, well, what kind of snake? Kind like, of that's, that's not for me to tell you. <laughs> they all start backing away. It was full of meth and it shot fire out of its oh mouth. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> no, no. So, my God. It's, can y'all hear our washing machine <laughs> taking off in the background? It sounds like a jet. No. Oh, yes. It's almost done. It's on because spin I put cycle. heavy sweatshirts in and I wasn't thinking. So we do a podcast every uh, Wednesday. That's the one time of the week where you would think someone wouldn't do laundry. Hey, if someone else would have done laundry when they were off on Monday, moving on. What's your point? Your I had to go hire a public defender so I didn't end up in jail. Read your question. Leave you then. living by yourself. Shut up. You Read and the question. kid coming homeless. Question. Taking care of you. Go. Okay. <laughs> so our question this week. Uh, was just we asked people what they wanted to ask Travis because we've had Travis on several times. He's been on several other podcasts. Whoops, I hit the microphone with my hand. Uh, he's he's somewhat well known, I guess. He's well known in our circles. I feel like every. I don't feel like we live in circles. It's more like uh, everybody I don't know, is so excited about him. <laughs> Look, so I ask people; they can ask him any reptile or baking related question, 
And there's almost no reptile questions. No. Everybody wants to know about baking with Travis. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that as well. I was like, I really thought they'd be like one, but there's no. a couple. Well, let's see. Ashley Howdy, who is from Focus Cube, wanted to know who did his snakes and bakes logo. She loves it every time you see it. She sees it. So that was done by the daughter of a coworker of mine. That's cool. Gotcha. Yeah. It's still, still one of the best names for a for a business, except it just doesn't fit. Like I really feel you should be smoking weed. No. <laughs> Like no, no, you, no, 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 no. Brandon, Brandon Wheeler needs to reach out to you and try and buy that name from you. <laughs> then, uh, let's see. Joe Rosa said, please tell me how to make good pizza dough because he can't remember uh, – I, because I can't remember what he keeps. Oh, he can't remember what he keeps, so he just wants to know about pizza dough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's one way. <laughs> yeah, what you do so, is you call Domino's and then – Don't you dare. <laughs> Sad, sick bastard. <laughs> so the trick to making good pizza dough is when you bloom the yeast, use a tablespoon of sugar and milk instead of water, and it really gets it active. Interesting. I just can't believe this is a reptile podcast. I freaking love it. <laughs> <laughs> My coworkers, this is going to be their favorite episode. Travis is over there doing, doing microbiology. Uh, uh. <laughs> so Jesus so when you bloom the yeast mm-hmm. what the hell is that is that when you do you know what that means is that when you put it in the no I know you put it in a bowl at some point and cover it with saran wrap I know uh-huh. that happens so you you take the yeast you put it in a little bit of warmed milk is with it a bedtime sugar. for it <laughs> give us some warm milk read it a bedtime story yes um, and then you give it like five to ten minutes to really bloom it really foams up well you do that, and then you go and you start mixing your flour, salt, and everything to get it all ready. Lock it into place. Add the yeast bloom and the remainder of the volume of water to get the dough to the right consistency. And then if you've got a KitchenAid or a mixer, it makes life a lot easier because you just put it on low, let it knead for about five minutes. Let it raise for an hour, punch it down, let it raise again for like another 30 minutes, and then you're good to go. You know what's really exciting what? is that we're going to make a lot more money in Texas as teachers. So Santa might bring us a mixer. That's how you know you're an adult. The thing you're super excited about is a KitchenAid mixer. Hey, I bet don't get me wrong. I, I, I bet Santa would bring us one this year. I am, I am excited about a KitchenAid mixer. So I can maybe make that's fudge. What, maybe that's what you'll get for Christmas. I can make fudge and hopefully not burn up a mixer. Oh my God. Oh, my, my, my mom's always like, well, you should just mix it by hand. I'm not mixing that shit by hand. That fudge is thick and I'm lazy. <laughs> I see. Oh. Don't eat it, fudge. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you haven't tried it. You don't know. <laughs> no, I haven't tried it. But Jesus, you don't put cheese in chocolate. That's just well, raw. Velveeta's, Velveeta's not cheese. Uh, Come on. Yeah. This is a good point. This is a very good point. This is just yellow milk at this point. It's thick yellow milk, <laughs> which sounds horrible. It does. Mm, thick yellow milk, <laughs> uh, but it tastes amazing. Anybody out there, if you've if you've tried Velveeta fudge, let us know because I love that stuff. But you can only have like three small squares, or else you'll lose a foot to diabetes. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, Bill Bradley. Okay, I gotta stop for a second. Bill Bradley had the best prom 
picture <laughs> ever with his daughter. For yes, anybody who doesn't did. follow, follow oh Bill gosh. Bradley on Facebook, his daughter went to prom, and there's a picture of him with a shotgun and these like short, like American they flag American shorts. American flag shorts. With his cowboy boots like, on. Yeah, they and he like had on like a shorts. black. They yes. were booty shorts, and he had on a black like wife beater <laughs> tank top thing. It was amazing. And then the next picture is the her her date. And he's standing there with a big old, like, and Bill's standing with a big old smile on his face, it dressed was, like that. Oh, my gosh. It was hilarious. So, go check out Bill Bradley's face. It was like the highlight picture. of James's weekend. I'm not going to lie. That was a great picture. Uh, but he said, have you tried chocolate chips and your Kringla? If not, what are you even doing with your life? What is Kringla? We talked about that last we time. We have. We yes. did. But it I don't was, remember. It was, it was this... Uh, I can't remember the Scandinavian, I think, uh, baking thing. And I made some after he, you know, brought up, have you ever made Kringla? And no, I haven't made it with chocolate chips, but you know, I could. Like, now you oh, have to. They're like pre- almost pretzel looking. Yeah, he, we, we, yeah. We had this conversation before. You were here <clears> for <throat> it. <I> know. <laughs> the last time we were on, he brought up, have you made Kringla? And I yeah. hadn't, and then he and, sent me the recipe, and I made Kringla, and now he's wanting me to make Kringla with chocolate. This is going to be a never-ending bit. The next time you have me on, he'll have something else that I'm supposed to put. Have you done it with butterscotch yeah. chips? <laughs> James, what? I'm a little disappointed that the highlight of your weekend wasn't the dinner that we had Saturday night. Oh, that, oh, that was, was the good. highlight of mine. That was Let's good. Just be real. I've never been more miserable after a meal in That's my entire because life. You, did, you should have drank water, and then you would have been fine. I only had two sodas, actually. I had like three glasses of water. We went to, What was the name of that place? I forget. Uh, Avenida Brazil. Yeah, it's a uh, Brazilian steakhouse where they just bring you meat until you die. Yeah, and uh, and I, I and think I, I was the only one that wasn't miserable. Oh, after I was, dinner. I was miserable. Oh. I was yeah. in my happy place. That filet yeah. mignon wrapped in bacon, I could eat that every day. And then uh, I don't know that I'll ever walk into that that uh, Barnes and Noble again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably don't want you there anymore either. Y'all are so bad. They uh, but the great thing about that Brazilian steakhouse is salad bar. It was not really a salad bar as much as it was that it had meat and cheese on it. It was like a giant charcuterie board. Do with your fancy words. That's what it is. Yeah, your chartreuse board. Oh my lord! <laughs> so, uh, oh, Dallas Rua wants to know if you have any keto friendly recipes. Yes, because Amanda can't have the flour anymore. That's when right, because we, we got pizza. She we, had to get cauliflower. She got cauliflower crust on her for her pizza. That's right. I have never done any keto stuff. So he um, says, fuck you, Amanda. No. Oh, no. That's not what I said. I just said I've never done keto stuff. But you, um, use, you use other flours and sugar alternatives when you cook for your wife sometimes, though. I, I use different things, yeah. Um, I will often cut sugar 50-50 with, like, Splenda or something, or just, you know, do half sugar anyways, because a lot of times you don't need as much sugar. Um, I disagree. I have... I have in some things started using mesquite flour as it's not like a full replacement, but it's a partial replacement. Um, it works really well for stuff. It's great in tortillas. I have found. Um, That's cool. I like tortillas. That is cool. I want some tortillas now. I, I can learn how to make tortillas. You're going tortillas to make. We're going to we're going to North Mexico. You're gonna to to learn how to make tortillas. No, there's a place right around the corner from us called Nana's Tortilla Factory. And you just go over there and buy them, and they're amazing. You don't have to make them. Sweet. So that takes all the fun out of it. No, you could be no. like our uh, – our, uh, I disagree. 
You could be like our Indian neighbors when we were in college who made tortillas. And they then would she, drive them on sheets in the parking lot. She would lot. take sheets and cover up two like parking lot spaces. Two parking spaces or our apartment, our apartment complex, complex. And dry tortillas, tortillas out in the parking lot. Yep. I'm like, those are called non. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not tortillas <laughs> if they're Indian. Yeah. But. You could have been. You don't know. My apartment would smell like curry four days oh out of the week. And I'm talking like okay strong. No, no, no. It was it like a sweet curry. It was really sweet, and it, it was like almost like maple syrup. And they were afraid and of my dog. They were. They called him the monster. That but they were not upstairs. afraid of the, the seven foot boa constrictor. But they loved the snake. It was so funny. And then when we moved, that woman spoke perfect English, and she told me that she was sad to see we me had go no idea because that you assholes were horrible. We had no idea that the grandmother could speak English or horrible, understand English. Horrible people. And we said lots of stuff. Horrible people. We didn't make fun of Not about her. We said lots of about Horrible people. And I was the last one to move out of the complex. It was and not so that bad. she was the one that talked to me. And when she spoke to me, I swear I wanted the earth to open up and swallow My me biggest whole. problem was her taking up two parking spots for food. <laughs> Open a freaking Anyways. food truck in the parking lot. Okay. We got off on a tangent. That's uh, <laughs> all this show is, is a tangent. Oh. What's uh, the most difficult thing you've ever baked? Or the most time-consuming. Not necessarily difficult, but time-consuming. Why'd you put difficult? Because oh. I wasn't thinking. Could be difficult. Yeah. Time-consuming would be sourdough. Because that's sourdough. basically a two-day process. Plus, you know, getting a sourdough starter from scratch to go. You know, that takes a week in and of itself. Oof. I love sourdough. I used to work at a place called Atlanta Bread Company. And they uh, we made bread there. It was a sandwich shop. At the end of the day, any bread that didn't sell, you could usually take home. And I'd always take home a big round loaf of sourdough and just like take it to my room in high school and just eat it for like two or three days. That's so unhealthy. It was not unhealthy. It was amazing. <laughs> I love sourdough bread. How is it that I'm the one with diabetes and not you? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my fault. gosh. It's all your fault. Uh, oh, okay. So I do have reptile-related ones. I had to go over to the other one. There are some reptile-related ones. Oops, if I can pull them up and maybe tell you what they are. Uh, oh, okay. Here we go. Reggie Raven said, if you could, what would you change about the husbandry of snakes in the hobby? And what are your top recommendations for enrichment within the enclosure? And before we get there, uh, LaVissa said, according to your kookery snake, it will be snake sheds. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> that was the strangest thing I have encountered so far, I have to say. So anybody, Okay. Anybody that doesn't follow Travis on Facebook, you definitely should. It's interesting, and you get to see what he makes his coworkers every week, and and I don't get to have. But he gave you gave a snake shed to Kukri just as an enrichment, like for a smell, for to change up something in there. And you came back, and he was eating it. Yep. Yes, I threw a shed from one of my ball pythons in. You know, I will. I'll grab sheds from different snakes and throw them in other snake enclosures just as an enrichment item. And I threw ball python one in there. And I came back five minutes later, and he was just choking that thing down like I, he hadn't been fed in a month, which is hysterical because he was fed three days before. So I mean, he's half he's half gecko, just sitting yeah, there. And, and you know, in hindsight, I guess it makes it made sense because kukris have been documented scavenging roadkill. Um, they are fabulous opportunists, you know. There's the studies that show them eating the innards of toads that are still alive. They, you know, they sideswipe them with those extended teeth that they have, and they just crawl right inside their gut and start eating them. That's fucked up. Yes, it is. But so 
they're very, very generalist eaters. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that he decided to eat a snake skin. <laughs> but at the same time, it just shocked the hell out of me. So I'm guessing it's something you'll do again at some point. Maybe. I mean, there's got to be some nutritional value to the skin. I mean, it's, Ge- it's geckos pure protein, it. basically. Yeah. So it's all just all keratin. So back to Reggie's question. What would you change about the husbandry of snakes in the hobby? Um, a few different things, I guess. Um, I do think... So I think the use of UVB is important. Um, I also think it's kind of going through one of these pendulum swing things. You know, for so long it was nobody cares about UVB. We don't have to worry about it. And now everybody's like, everything needs UVB, as much UVB as possible all the damn time. Um, I think we need to look more kind of in the middle ground. I am certain that the snakes need UVB. I'm certain the lizards need UVB. Pretty much everything needs some amount of UVB. But when you think, when you honestly stop and think about these animals in the habitat, they're not just sitting out there exposed to the sun all day long, 12 hours a day. Yeah. So I think we should probably be using lower percentages of UVB for most things, and we should be using it in shorter bursts than we actually are. Um, I have UVB set up in most of my cages, and I have it set on a randomized timer between the hours of 1 and 4 o'clock p.m. So between those three hours, it'll randomly turn on and off, you know, five minutes here, ten minutes there, but it's not on straight for that whole time. And it's not just on all day long. And I did that because it corresponds to what would be peak UV hours during the day in the wild. And, well, and you've got a picture that snake laying under a tree in the wild. It's going to get a little bit of sunlight through the through the leaves here or there. It's not going to be sitting in just direct sunlight. Right. Yeah. Obviously, there are going to be exceptions. You know, your your monitor species, your your amastics, your agamids, the things that will literally just sit out and bake themselves to death. Basically, those. Yes, they probably need higher capacity ultraviolet. But I think for most things, you know, where you think, well, I'll give it a twelve percent because you know, like a like brettles, you know, I'll give it a twelve percent because it's you know it's out there in that hot baking area of Australia, I would still be inclined to give it like a 6% bulb and only yeah. pulse it for a few hours because the Browns Python is not just going to be sitting out there getting a sunburn, basically. Um, well, yeah, and it's, it's like heat. We always, a lot of people look at the hot temperature of the of whatever region their animals from and go, well, that's the temperature they like, but it's not. That's not the temperature they're hanging out in. That's right. just the temperature it gets there. Right. And that's that would be one of the other things that I that I think we need to look at is um, heat and heating. Um, I have never really been a big fan of heat panels. Um, I mean, I understood why people use them, but at the same time, it just never jived with me because that seemed so unnatural to me for what you know what these animals are really experiencing in nature. Um, so I've always used things like incandescent bulbs and stuff because those are generating more of that infrared signature that 
we're now starting to hear more about. And I think it more closely mimics what the animals, you know, get in nature, feel in nature. And just by observation of the animals that I keep, you know, even a 25-watt bulb in a four-foot cage offers a really nice hot spot and it gives you a really good temperature gradient, actually. So that's what I tend to use instead of heat panels and things like that. Hmm. Well, there you go, Reggie. That's what he would change. He would change the way everyone keeps all their animals. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, God, it was, it's been a while since, uh, Zach Lofman put out that paper on, you know, more comprehensive animal care. That's funny. I was going to bring him up in a little bit, but go ahead. Well, it's, it's something that I don't think is really broadly embraced within the hobby is, you know, we have traditionally just kept in what's convenient for us as the keepers. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because in some cases that's what you have to do. But at the same time, I think the more serious you get as a true keeper versus a breeder, which are going to have to keep differently. Each of those is a different subset of the hobby. But a true keeper, you know, if you've got a, a cage and you're trying to give them, you know, more space, more naturalistic environment, 3D gradients, both vertical, horizontal, to climb around on and crawl around on, you want to do your best to try and emulate what they would be getting outside. Because as much as we like to think that these are sort of a domesticated animal, they're not. They're still very close to their wild roots, and they still have a lot of those needs and necessities that have to be met along those lines. Well, I was listening to uh, Zach on NPR. He was on there recently talking about diet, which kind of goes along with this. We, you know, we, uh, we feed it and, and I'm guilty. I, I know I am. We, we feed, you know, white lab mice and rats and granted most of the animals we keep, that's not their actual diet in the wild. You know, they're not eating a ton of just rats. Uh, and I've actually thought about trying to keep a few frozen quail and feeding a few frozen quail here or there. But one thing Zach talked about was um, more their digestion about what goes on, especially between like colubrids, boas, and how different the digestion is and what's happening in their bodies. You know, and you talked about how we power feed these boas, or not to say power feed, but boas and pythons. If you feed them large meals once a week, their bodies react so differently to the way they digest food than the way we normally think of digesting food. Their whole body physically changes while they're digesting food. And he talks about how you're basically, their body's going through through a marathon when, when you feed them, their body speeds up and everything starts to change and their body's going through a marathon and they need those pauses in between meals to slow their body back down. But when you're feeding, you know, a big rat once a week, they never slow down, which is why your snake only lives for eight years, nine years, because you shortened its life that way. And so along with lighting, I think feeding, we've really got to, uh, and, and like I said, I'm guilty. I've got to, I've got to change the way I feed. And I kind of, like with my pine snake, I don't feed one big meal. I'll throw like three small mice in there because that's what they're in the wild. They're going down in a burrow and they're eating an entire family of of moles or of uh, gophers. And so I try to kind of react, you know, throw a handful of small mice for them to eat. So I don't know your thought. I know with the kukri snake eating snake skin, obviously. And you have the kukri snake, which eats a bunch <coughs> of random things. So that diet wise is very different for you versus like your ball pythons. 
Yeah, I mean, I... My freezer is a cornucopia of figure items. Oh, um, yeah. I have so many different types of reptilinks and so many different sizes. I have bags of chicken hearts, chicken necks. I have uh, smelt. I have shelled mussels. I have <laughs> shrimp. I have snails. I have okay. all kinds of things. So Far where away. do you buy... Why, where do you buy smelt? Uh, we've got an international food market here. He's got a smelt guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I've got I'm an like, international that's not food something market. you can just go pick up at the grocery store. I used to feed well, that. I mean, it it kind of is. You know, you just got to find the right grocery store. Um, See, we're moving to Texas. They got Asian markets. We'll be able to find all yeah, sorts of Yeah, we'll be able to find all this stuff. Um, and, you know, it's not like I don't give them smelt every single feeding. But, you know, once a month, once every other month, I'll throw in, you know, a couple That's of really snow cool. on the plate that I'm feeding. You know, I, I offered them to the beach snakes a couple of weeks ago. I have never seen a snake go crazier over a food item than they, I mean, one of them, I opened the cage and it caught the smell of it and it charged out of the cage and landed on the floor and then like what? sat there underneath me basically begging to try and get the food. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now you got to teach it to put it on its nose and sit and wait. Boob it on its snoot. Oh my gosh. What? Facebook tells me they're like dogs. No. Okay. Yeah, so, so I was packing up some things in my classroom today. And one of them was my um, healthcare tips when working with reptiles. I got it in Tinley. Yeah. I forget what organization gave it to me, but it's made, it's like a poster made to go in the classroom. And one of the things on there says not to snuggle and cuddle your, your <laughs> reptile because they don't like when you're that close in their personal space loves and it's me. not healthy for you or them. I'm going to have to take a picture of that tomorrow when I'm in my classroom. <laughs> it, was, it made me laugh. So, Matt, do you change up the diet for something like your ball pythons? Um, it depends. I have some ball pythons that are just stubborn and won't eat anything other than rats. Um, but I have probably 10 or 12 that will regularly take quail, uh, chicks. You know, um, I've got two that will take reptilinks. So, yeah. What about your rubber boas? Those will only eat pinky fuzzy popper mice. Yeah, I, uh, I have tried everything else on. Well, I, I have yet to try lizards on them, but everything else that I've tried on them, they won't eat. I would imagine though, rodents is probably the closest to their natural diet. They're, they're a yeah. burrowing snake, so you've got to imagine they're going down into a lot like the pine snakes. They're going down and probably raiding a nest of pinky mice or pinky whatever are there. Yeah, you know, wild mice, wild voles, you know, things like that. So, yeah, feeding them rodents is pretty much in accord with what they would be eating in the wild. But, you know, if you read some of their natural histories, some of them have had, you know, have been found to eat lizards and things like that, too. So, yeah. You know, well, that's I another thing. Them, but <clears throat> I think a lot of times our snakes don't, one, they don't eat these more uh they don't eat lizards so they don't eat that stuff because they've eaten mice their entire life whereas in the wild they would have eaten multiple things plus 
we're feeding our animals so regularly, they don't tend to be hungry, hungry. Like there's a difference between like, I feed my snake every two weeks. And when I go feed it, it's hungry between this snake ate three months ago and finally found a meal. It's really hungry. Mm-hmm. And it will eat, it'll eat whatever goes by and grab and eat it. It's like, that's a completely different thing. So I, you know, I think that's one reason why we don't have such a varied diet because our animals don't go through that hunger. Right. They're not in the, they're not in a true survival mode. You know, they're, they're just under the opportunistic of it comes right to them. So they'll just eat it because it's there. You know? Yeah. And, and you can definitely tell they learn that just fall rodents out in your snake room and then watch all the faces come to the front of the glass or the tub or whatever. Like, they learn like that. They've learned. Oh, okay. There's food. We're gonna eat. Yeah. So it, it's well. And as much as it, this is one of the things you'll notice with you know. I say they're not domestic, which I guess in some ways they're they're becoming domesticated because you have that with serially captive bred species like ball pythons, um, some carpet pythons and stuff. Yeah. As soon as you start thawing out a rat, they're just right there in the front of the cage waiting because they know. But if you start branching out into more exotic and esoteric species, so, you know, I've got the Kukri, I've got the beak snakes, I've got the calabars, you know, when you are working with them, they will turn their nose up at some things, and you have to try and find that one thing that they really will take. Um, You know, one of the calabars that I'm trying to acclimate, he's still living in my quarantine room, because he's not eating any kind of regular diet. He doesn't want to eat anything that I've given him. I've gotten him to eat, you know, and it is, it's like he'll eat out of desperation. Yeah. Once every six weeks, he'll eat like an ASF pup or something. But, you know, the female will take down three rat crawlers without even blinking, but the male just won't eat. And, it's for whatever reason he just isn't queuing in on the things that I'm offering him. And your calabars are those captive or are those wild calls? Those They're are wild, wild calls. I'm I'm interested to see what happens over just a few generations of captive bred babies to see if they're easier to feed. I'd imagine they would be. I I imagine they would be. I, mean, I think I think once they get stabilized. Well, I mean, like the, the female that I have is very she's very stable. She's very reliable. You know, they're just like rubber bones of Africa. They, you know, they're nest raiders. So, yeah. but I think whatever nest it is they're raiding is just different enough from mice that my male doesn't recognize mice and doesn't want to recognize mice unless he's desperate. Whereas yeah. the female's just more flexible. Yeah. And let's say, unless they hit that true hunger where they'll eat whatever goes right. by that. So yeah, that's, I, I need you to, figure those things out and then breed them. Cause I really need one. Well, it's going to be a while. Well, get to work. Damn it. Oh, I am getting to work. But <laughs> even then it's going to be a while. Man, I, so this is the first time I've had you on since, uh, I went through the rubber bow was going through brumation and that was, and I, and I messaged you back and forth during it. That was a nightmare. <laughs> I just, I was so freaked out. I've never had a snake that you can freeze. And then you're just like, yeah, could you make it a little colder in here? I think that they were the topic of conversation in our house every single day that they lived in that cooler. They lived Ooh. inside of a box covered in ice and they were like, yeah, no, we're still going to move around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know they're, they're very, 
they're very resilient little buggers. You know, I, I, I always find it like, you know, Phil goes on about that picture of the wrinkles in the snow that he's seen. Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But on the other hand, I'm like, but that's a rubber boa every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, it creeped me out. Cause you know, you're used to keeping tropical snakes. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, this snake doesn't like it hot. And it really likes it cold. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for that moment. Like, well, they'll brewmate. They'll they'll curl up and they'll just sit there for a couple months. No, every time yeah. I look over in the fridge, they're just roaming around the thing. I, I can't get it colder, guys. There's literally ice on the box. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks out, once you warm them up, they're like, oh, no, we want to eat now. We're good. Which is oh, funny because yeah. before I put them in there, they were, they were they were done. They'll tell you when it's time to brewmate because they were like, we're not eating. It's, yeah, it's they, over. They, they're great in that regard. They turn off and they just turn off. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, then now it's time to put you down. And so you put them down, and then, like you said, they continue to sit there and roam around, roam around. And then you take them out, and they shed and start yeah, piling food like nobody's business. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. I have, I've had three of them shed. I'm like, y'all haven't eaten in like four months. How the hell are you shedding? Mm-hmm. That was weird as hell, too. But there, it's one of those things like you really start to pay attention to your aunt. Like, you get complacent with a lot of your snakes because they're very the care becomes very basic and then when you get this one that's completely different care wise you start to notice man this is this is some really weird shit going on that you normally don't see because you don't think to look at it in a corn snake or a ball python yeah. but i mean I, i'm sure if i paid enough attention to the ball pythons there'd be some really weird shit if i put open a cage and i watched them on a regular basis that you just don't notice yeah i mean that's that's kind of the way it is with all of our snakes it's just we with all of the common species, we've all kind of gotten complacent to what is the normal streamlined care behavior. Yeah. So we're just keyed in on that and we don't look beyond. Um, you know, you start keeping newer and weirder and different things, you you start developing a different eye for those quirks and behaviors that those new things have. And it they let you know what they like, what they don't like, you know? Yeah. Well, that's why I, I like snakes that, well, and I noticed it because I have the Sambos, you know, I know when my Sambo males want to breed, they stop eating. The moment they're like, oh no, we don't want food at all. And you can slap them in the face with the mouse and they don't do anything. Like, yeah, no, they want to breed. And so it's those little things you start to notice. But then it's funny. I noticed that because I've got a lot of them. You'll see someone post online. Oh no, my Sambo is not eating. And they don't notice that because they don't, they don't have yeah, enough to compare it to. Yeah. It's their first sand boa, and they just bought it as a little pet. Yeah. And so it's those, it's those funny things that you may not notice if you have one, but you definitely notice if you have 15. Yeah. And so it's, I don't know, it's it, it's it's always fun to learn something new about an animal where you're like, yeah, no, I know everything. I, I'm good. And then something new happens. So another thing that we had someone ask, and this one we've talked about, I think, every time, and we'll talk about it again because we had two people that were very interested. Lavissa said, I know he's probably sick and tired of talking about it, but I'd love to hear from a geneticist about the bug eyes and palmetto corn slash Lucy rat snakes. I keep seeing people saying it's completely from inbreeding, but I was under the impression that it had more to do with the lack of pigment causing eye issues, not an actual genetic bug eye gene. I'd love some clarification from a legitimate source, not a Facebook warrior. And then Amanda Ruiz says she seconds this. I want to hear his input on this debate. Okay. It has nothing to do with inbreeding. <laughs> Period. End of discussion. Um, 
we see this across the board with pretty much every one of the leucistics out there. Um, we also see it occasionally in some of the different albinos. So we've got the, what is it, sharp albino? Uh, call. Call albino. I, I can never keep up which one is which one. Yeah, because I've got a snake just behind me that was born bug eyes. Yeah. Um, it has to do with the trying to figure out the best way to describe this without going to science dork. Go science um, dork. We, we got it. Come on. So leucistic animals are suffering from improper deposition of pigment. And, you know, there are basically two main types of pigments. There's the melanin-based pigments and the xanthan or erythrin-based pigments. And xanthan and erythrin are the same pathway Initially, it's just the final branch points that determine whether it turns out red or yellow. Um, the melanin, when it does not lay down properly, it affects a lot more than just color and pigmentation because melanocytes play a lot of different roles outside of pigmentation. Um, they are involved in proper orientation of the nervous system. They are involved in proper orientation and development of the eye and the eye cup. And they're expressed, the melanocytes for those different functions are expressed at different times than they would be for the pigmentation of the animal. So when you lose proper regulation of how the melanocytes are maturing and developing and depositing in the body, you sort of short circuit the blueprint plans for how things are supposed to develop. And so by the improper pigmentation that gives you a leucistic animal, it's also causing that improper formation of the eye and the eye cup structure, which is why the eyes are bugged out of the head of these animals. It doesn't have to do with inbreeding. You could outcross those animals a thousand times over and then breed the furthest extremes of the outcrossing, and you would still get the bug-eyed phenotype. Yeah, I think that whole argument stems from someone trying to say that their gene, that they're, they're, my animals won't do that, so buy them from me. I think that comes more from a breeder trying to validate their breeding project than truly understanding what's actually happening genetically. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things it's going to happen. And, and I, like I, I've got a boa that had bug eyes. Um, it no longer has them. They, they like, they popped and deflated, but uh, which is weird because they just gooed all over the place. And now he still has one eye that every time he sheds still really liquidy, but eats fine. He's growing fine. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've seen people talk about, well, if you just outcross, if you don't breed this to that, you know, it's just like you said, you could breed a het to a visual and you could still end up with bug-eyed animals. I mean, that's that's just the the way it works. Right. And, you know, depending on which <clears throat> genus species we're talking about, you know, the blue eyes and ball pythons. I mean, the het form is a visual het. So I can take a lesser and breed to a wild type and take those lessers and breed them to wild types and those lessers and breed them to wild and just keep doing that all the way out. I can go 20 generations down. So those things are, you know, 
basically not even related to each other at this point, other than through that one lesser gene that they both share in common. And then I can take that those far extremes and bring them back together, and I can still create a super lesser that's got bug eyes. Yeah. So, like I said, I, on Facebook, it's people that have been told certain things over and over again, and they'll argue it to the death whether they, you know, like the the meme that Robert went and he researched the meme instead of just believing the meme. It's the same. People see something written in a Facebook group by one person they trust, and then from that point on, that becomes fact. And you know, the one breeder told them up. That is every reptile group everywhere. <laughs> Usually it's the people who got their first snake two weeks ago. And are yeah, I'm not even going to go down that road because. Or it's the people who know just enough to get themselves in trouble and then yeah. decide to argue with the people who know a lot more than them. Yeah. yeah. I So I, I may have been on the wrong and right side of that today in a, in a Facebook group. Someone posted a, uh, it was a identification group and they posted a video of a broadband of water snake. And my problem with the video was not that they didn't know what it was. Okay, whatever. Even though the person says they're a naturalist and they know all the stuff. Anyways, a broadband of water snake is kind of one of the most obvious water snakes to point out. They just, they're bright orange and red. But they were holding it and they were like, well, I know it's not this, but what is it? That was the problem I had. I'm like, if you don't know 100% what it is, then the picture should be of it on the ground and going, hey, what is this? Not in your hand saying, hey, what is this? Yes, absolutely. And, then, and so I, I, I got upset. That was my main issue. And then uh, and then people wanted to post snakes in there. And I, and I think I misidentified one and they jumped down my throat. I was like, I never said I was an expert. I'm just saying I knew what that snake was. And if you're going to tell me you know snakes and you know all the venomous and, you, and you're a naturalist in this, a broad-banded water snake's pretty fucking easy to identify. Like, There's a lot of snakes that are a little tricky. But the bright red and orange ones kind of stick out. But just don't take a picture of it in your hand because you see that stuff all the time on Facebook. Uh, there was the one where the person took a picture holding a coral snake and then come to find out they got bit by the coral snake later on. Like, And that happened several times. There's a video of a little kid. Like, the kids are playing with it because they said the stupid saying wrong. And then they're holding – or no, actually in the video they said the saying right. And they're still holding the snake and they get bit by the snake. I'm like, stop picking shit up if you're not 100% sure what it is. Because like Robert has said – I could go to where he lives and I could pick up what I think is a melanistic milk snake. And it 100% will be a melanistic coral snake because yep. he's got them around where he lives. You know, you can go, well, it's definitely not a coral snake because it's not red and yellow. And then you pick it up and it's coral snake. So that was my problem. I'm like, I just, if you don't know for sure, even if you're like, well, I know it's not venomous well, you don't know what it is. So don't pick it up. Yeah. Yep. I and that's how I have raised my child is if you see a snake outside, just don't touch it. Yeah. Just don't touch it. Come get me because it's, it's not about saying, well, I'm pretty sure this is safe. It's there's, there's no pretty sure you either know absolutely, or you don't touch it. Uh, that, that was part of the, and then someone, and they want to make fun of me. I'm like, I don't care how I came across in this post. I'm like, I'm not ashamed. I'm I'm still pissed off that the person didn't know what it was. But anyways, Robert, I know that your son is huge into genetics, and I figure there's got to be some sort of question he's wanted to ask Travis that you may know that you can ask Travis tonight. Because as much as Logan loves genetics, there's got to be uh, something he also know. I don't know. He's not here now. So where's he at? Go get him. Go get him. Not here. Oh, he's not here. He's not at the no. house. Not not this moment. Well, darn. 
We didn't plan that well. I know. I should have done it earlier when he was you running around have. with the dog. Yeah. He he doesn't do well being put on the spot either. He'll, oh, uh, uh, yeah. Like, we should have told him last night, like, hey, <laughs> think about this. Oh, because he would have come up with a question that would blow your mind as a 10-year-old. Oh, yeah. So. It's amazing. I love to sit, like, when we go out to dinners and stuff, I'll, every now and then if I end up next to him and Josephine, it, we'll just ask him questions and he talks to us. <laughs> yeah. Does he have a phone? Just text it. Just text him and be like, hey, do you have a question you want to ask Travis? And then he's not on the spot because he's not right. Oh, there you go. That's a good point. That's true. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure Logan has a list of questions he could come up with in about two seconds to ask you. So do you know anything about we and I I don't know Robert and I talked about it. Robert got a scaleless female corn. And apparently they can't reproduce, is what I'm hearing. The skeleton snakes. I heard with the ball pythons, is that true also? Like, they don't produce follicles? This is... I don't know about with the corns. There is a bunch of talk with the... uh, in the ball python world about whether or not they can breed or if, you know, a female trying to breed is basically going to rip in half because, you know, they don't have the scales to act as physical support structure on them to keep their insides together when they're laying an egg. Um, Now, with the ball python world, I think at least a large part of that question has to do with just the I mean the ball python scaleless project has been a nightmare since the beginning because <laughs> it was horribly managed and you know there was you know the whole what happened to Brian's original ones show Mr. Smooth where's the where's the second one that you never show anymore you know it just it it has always been this bugboo and I think this is just another dimension of, you know, the people who don't like it are trying to find reasons to push more and more people away from it. Yeah, they are. But nobody nobody actually knows whether or not the females can lay eggs. Now, I've never seen a I've never seen a scaleless anything around eggs. I haven't either. But nobody's never really nope. looked. You know, part of me thinks There's, people aren't breeding their females specifically because they don't want to be the one to find, find out, out and have it, and have it yeah. find and find out that it's not a good thing. So, and and the the ball pythons are truly scaleless. You know, the the corn snakes have some belly scale steel, right? They still have belly so they, so they, um. I just I had heard from a couple of people that they don't produce follicles, and my son bought a pair of scaleless corns that he spent a lot of money on. So before I go talk to the breeder uh, that he bought them from, I want to verify that because the guy will make it right. He he yeah. he's not gonna yeah. Um, he may not yeah, know I haven't himself. heard anything about the scaleless corns, and they've been around long enough. I have to think that somebody would know the answer to that because scaleless corns have been so. around for what two decades almost. I must say, I remember yeah. seeing one in Daytona in like 2005. So, and I was so an adult. I'm sure that somebody out there probably has the answer to that. I asked uh, Logan if he had any questions for you know, told him who you were, and he said, "Um, I don't think I do." <laughs> oh come, 
<laughs> I find that hard to believe. That's weird. Give it a week. Give it a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, since the last time I was on, I got a new pine snake. I just want to throw that out there because I was super happy with my new pine snake. You're so is that good. your Louisiana one? Well, it is. Can I now tell what I got since you were... Yeah! No! no let me Shut the... F- yeah, go ahead. So I have a friend, I think I told about it a several, couple of months ago when she gave me the adult female Mexican black king snake and the blue tongue skink because they, they had a lot of damage from the freeze and they weren't able to take care of them. Well, they just went ahead and decided to get rid of all their reptiles, so... She gave me first opportunity and she gave them to me three, four by two by two cages. Um, what she thought was an adult male, uh, motley het call albino boa, but James probed it and it's a female and, um, an adult female. Well, she said it's a female. We didn't check. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't um, what did April say it was? A matrix blood python? She, she thinks it's a matrix blood. Yeah. And who is super chill, by the way. Um, and then yeah, ball two python. ball pythons. She said one was a normal female. Turns out it's an adult pinstripe. And the other one, I don't even remember what the male was. Do you remember, Funky? James? I don't. It's a ball python. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Um, Rachel has a lot of got a ball python collection now. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, they're, I, they're sitting over there doing nothing. Damn ball pythons. <laughs> So, but well, you've gotten just a crap ton of free snakes lately, so you got to stop. You got to leave stuff for everybody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. Although I am looking forward to that motley female boa in a few years. Yeah, I I got plans for that one. Yep, she's curled up right there under the heat right now, looking at me like, "Hey, man, you got something to eat?" It is now that is now the largest snake you've ever had in your house, right? By far. Yeah. Yeah. Because you brought it home, and your daughter's like running away in the other room so oh let's see oh there was also this this week on facebook the the boa eating its head i still am not sure at what i'm looking at in this picture but it floated around on facebook it got posted on our on our discussion page but it's a boa Somehow eating its own face. I don't. I, I still can't. I don't re- understand what I'm seeing. I don't either. I don't, I don't either. When I saw that, I honestly thought that it was a head that, or a snake that had stuck its head up its own cloaca. <laughs> like yes, that's what I thought. And it. It's a new definition of go fuck yourself. I don't understand what's going on. Oh, yeah, I can't figure it out. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, like. The physio- I don't understand how a snake could swallow its own head because like it, it just it has to like turn itself inside but out. But it's like sticking into the side of its neck. It looks like the face turned around and then stuck into the side of its neck, like you would like when like you there was an extra hole when you like you roll an extra no anyway like when you roll hey. up a, a pair of socks. Great, great. Yes, it uh, looks like a rolled up pair of socks. That extra that extra hole really Stop comes it. in handy sometimes. Stop it. Hmm. Uh, what? Oh. No. Hmm. So that was on there. Uh, oh, our buddy Joe Challenger posted a couple of videos this week of the venomous snakes he picked up at Venom Fest. He picked up. He went to the vet. Took him to the vet, which uh, I thought that's crazy. Also, but he had rhino vipers, gaboon vipers, and albino or leucistic monocle cobras. I can't remember. They were white cobras. That's all I remember. But what I really remember is I, is I want the gaboon vipers. And then the oh, this Travis Wyman guy posted a picture of snake eating the skin. Whatever, whatever that is. 
You were excited about it when you saw it. I was with I was, you when you saw it. It is cool. It is cool. It's the weirdest thing. I always know that if there's a picture of some weird-ass snake that Travis has, it's probably the cougaries. <laughs> yeah. I can, never, I can never remember what they're called. I never know the scientific name, but I'm like, it's probably a cougary snake. <laughs> uh, oh, we get done. Yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> Let's see. Travis also posted this week, Hey, kid, like toads and salamanders, the Detroit Zoo needs you to be mayor. I didn't read that. I should have read that article. Did you read that article? I did not. We're horrible people. Well, we if you people. you scrolled past the picture that I shared where I was sleeping in the car. And well, you're not you sleeping listening. if you're taking the picture. No, but I slept for probably half of yeah, that but, trip, if not more. But you're not sleeping it if you take the picture. Great. That's like the folks that take the picture of themselves sleeping, and then they say, oh, my boo took a picture of me, but then you see the reflection of them taking yeah, the picture. Yeah, you don't take pictures of me. No. Because you're a, a horrible husband and I'm a guy. no respect for your wife. That's true. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> Boy, you better watch yourself. Then Dallas Rua posted some updated pictures of their wide grass. They got like a little lounge in their in their new pet store. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's going to be a cool place to hang out. This summer, we're going to make a trip out there and do a live podcast from the hot room. Hold down. This summer, we're moving to well, Texas. At some point this summer. We, uh, <laughs> we may be delivering racks. James, That's true. We may be delivering okay. racks. So. There you go. So we could do that the one of those weeks when you're up at camp and then you won't be there. I say on the way coming home from camp before Slidell. That's nowhere near the direction you'll go. No, but I could make a trip. That's a way out of the way direction. Uh, let's see. Nobody asked your opinion. I'm trying to go through some of these other ones. Was, that was about a boa that someone saw at a show that was messed up. There's stuff. Oh, I haven't talked. This is a good chance to do our giveaway. Yeah. I haven't talked about our giveaway. It's the fourth week of our giveaway for this month. It is. And so, again, we are doing a giveaway thanks to Gecko World Austin. We're giving away a baby crested gecko, full setup, tank, everything to go with it for free. Uh, if, you, if you live somewhere where it needs to be shipped, you can't make it to a Herb's Reptile show. They will do the gecko and all the stuff except for the tank. Or if you're just not a lizard person, but you still want something that they offer, which they offer a large variety of stuff, you just talk to Tyler today talk about to Tyler right changing your cricket podcast. order. Yeah. So I got stuff that eats a freaking ton. Yeah, the, I need more. I need more. Food. Again, that feeder program they have that like it's subscription amazing. feeder program. They just show up at your door. But they'll give you a hundred fifty dollars gift certificate if you don't want the lizard. So what we need from you, Travis, is your favorite snake, and don't give me a goddamn scientific name, Travis. <laughs> I need a mouth? common name. No, because he was going to go throw out some big long scientific name, and all of our listeners are going to be like, I don't know what that is. By yeah. all of our listeners, I mean me. You you have said. Every other time to just give you a common name, so Please. I wasn't going to give you the scientific. He's name. ready, James. Have I'm, a little bit of faith. He'd, he'd in have our done friend. it. He'd have done it just in spite. Have a faith. Yeah, have I did it just in spite. Just to spite you. All right, so Travis, what is your favorite okay. snake? Well, I, I had already picked a snake, but it wasn't a favorite snake. It was just a snake that I know that you've kind of low key liked and wanted to get a hold of at some point in your life. That's Doom Rolpola. Oh, oh that's a good one. I want the price is coming down. I'll be able to afford one before I die. <laughs> it's great. All right. So our snake for this week is the Doom Rolls Boa. So if you are listening, ask Joe if she has a question. Joe, do you have any questions for Travis? Any snake related to Travis? Or genet- she was asleep. Were you genetics asleep related questions. No, she was awake. Just woken up Wait, in the car. Yeah. Any questions? All of our kids are silent this week. All of okay, our kids that's. Are, cool. um, <laughs> Got, got nothing? 
no. got nothing. Okay. <laughs> Worth a try. Worth a try. All of our kids decided this week they are not going to talk. As she whispers. Oh, it's just, She's I love it. going to bed and she put the dog up because she kept wanting to play Deuces. and bring her toy. Is that better now that everybody knows what's going on? That's cool. <laughs> so, again, there have been four episodes this month. Each week we've given you a new snake. I'm not repeating them now. You have to listen to all of those to find out what they are. And then you need to text our message, not text, message the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Facebook, those four snakes in order, and we'll put your name into a drawing. And then we will announce it next week when we have Tyler, Tyler on from Gecko World Austin. So, Doomerals Boa. I do want a Doomerals Boa. You, you have one, don't you? I have one. You suck. I hear it well. My, my sister, when she up and moved right. to California and couldn't take her animals with her, she sent me her oh darn the bad luck <laughs> most people are like oh here's my normal ball python she's like oh, here's a doomerals boa oh i got a normal ball python out of it too <laughs> see it's always there's always just here's a free normal ball python uh but you have you have I, look i'm doing pretty good i've got rubber boas now so i've caught up there now i just gotta get calabars and i gotta get uh a doomerals boa it's not you i don't think i'm I'm not getting kukris. And you got to get Alterna, and you got to get not beak getting snakes. Alterna. Uh, our friend April just finally got rid of her beak snakes. Yeah, I heard. She was very I happy. Have Alterna. We get it. You you have fancy. I don't know what that is. It's a great <laughs> <bandage. laughs> They come in a bajillion different colors, pattern. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. No, they really only come so, in like two same or three color, different, different patterns and two yeah. or three different colors. Yeah, <laughs> but they just seem very. They seem oh. very. It's almost like decays brown snakes. Never you never see the same looking decays brown snakes. A lot of alternatives look very. Nelson's out. Oh, I hope it bites you on camera. Bite him! No, bite, bite him! <laughs> Why are you so ugly tonight? You're such a James is telling it to bite you. Say so you can say shut up, James. Shut up, James. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go but go go away, kid. You bother me. <laughs> So apparently there's a large uh, tornado on the ground just outside of San Antonio now where some friends of mine live. Oh, damn. That's like And baseball-sized hail. Yeah, it's a little oh. concerning. Oh, speaking of baseball-sized hail. So apparently last week while we were last weekend while we were at your place, there was hail here in central Louisiana. And tornadoes. And tornadoes. We're fine. And our local weatherman did not enunciate <laughs> properly. And I'm assuming he meant to say penny sized hail or peanut or peanut sized hail but he 100% said penis sized hail so it was all over Facebook and the problem is you don't really know what size that is because it definitely could be it ranges yeah Yeah. she has a question she has a question (laughs) Joe come ask your question what's your least favorite type of snake my least favorite type of snake. Shut up, James. Dead. Shut up, James. <laughs> I already know where you're going with it. Uh, you know? Ball, ball pythons? No! <laughs> no, it's not ball pythons, because i got a bunch of ball pythons. Um, I have them, too. Doesn't make it my favorite snake. Here. Come closer. Uh, she can't hear what you're saying. She doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, it would be difficult for her to... 
You know, I I would probably go with Nerodia. I knew you were going to say Nerodia. I was yeah. thinking the same thing. And, and what is that for us common folk? Uh, the, the water snakes. The bitey, smelly snakes. Yeah, they're very pretty, but they smell and they just have the worst temper of anything out there. Like, yes, they do. See, it's they, funny. They bite and they musk and they just make a giant mess. And yeah. I did a reptile show once and this girl, she was probably, I think she was like 13. She came by and she was looking to buy a new snake, but she had a snake. She had a small, a baby broadbanded water snake. That she had caught in the wild that was like puppy dog tame. There's like she showed me videos of her holding it, and I'm like, that's the only one. You found the one. She says the great pet at eight four. It was wonderful. It's like, man. Last maybe last year, the year before, um, somebody caught locally here caught a T negative albino um plain belly water steak and kept it. And Hayden actually went and got it. And it was it was super chill. Like it never tried to bite or anything. It was a, and it was still a baby. But yeah, but that's now she ended up she ended up giving it to a guy who had that one was a female. I think she gave it to a guy who had a male, and he's going to try and get babies out yeah. of it in the next couple of years. I'm with Travis. Every water snake I've ever picked up yes. does not like me. Yeah, they've been foul tempered. And I'd rather be bitten than musked on any day of the week. That smell sticks around no matter how much you scrub. Oh yeah, no, that stuff is horrible. <laughs> It's well, an amazing it's fish juice. But what they usually do is they bite and then they musk on you. So you get the musk in the bite and then it just hurts like hell and it's all nasty and That's yeah, awful. It's not. It's which, is, which is a shame because like broadbanded water snakes are one of the prettiest water snakes out there. Yeah. Diamondback water snakes are amazing because they get huge. But like, I don't want to take a bite from a big ass diamondback water snake. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely go with that. That's I, a good question. I was thinking that was my word. That'd probably be my least favorite too. As much as I don't like ball pythons, but uh oh, Ashley Howdy posted a picture. I didn't realize that she had a croc monitor. But she posted a picture of her croc monitor. Yeah, no, they've they've been they've been posting a lot of pics of him and the uh the cage that they made for him. He's got like this awesome climbing setup and yeah. everything. It's a really yeah. cool setup. I love croc monitors, but I they horrify me. Yes. Like I, I've been around one when I interned at a zoo, and that guy scared me. The claws in those things are enormous. The teeth are enormous, and they look like—I mean, they look like dinosaurs. You look in their face, and it's like Jurassic Park right there. And they're super intelligent too. Yes, I mean, they're they're very impressive animals, and I will never, ever, ever, ever have one because I, that's just way more animal than I want to deal with. Yeah, between the yeah. large monitors, it's a, it's kind of a toss up for me which one I like more, them or Komodos, because the the croc monitors look really cool and they have bright colors. Like you don't expect that on the, the big monitor species to have all those bright colors. So this past weekend, when we were listening to podcasts in the car, we listened to Keeping Monitor Lizards. Oh, we did with Kai uh, Fan. I cannot remember his co-host. And I I was awake. I, I woke up while the podcast was playing, and so then I listened to some of it. I fell asleep during Chris Eaton's podcast. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you bored her. I, no, 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 no. But then I woke up. Um, but I, the care that goes into taking the care, care the time. and the time and what you have to do. Um, the guy that they had on, maybe well, that's that, why I woke up. He had like a. Well, I that mean, guy, like he, he, he had just, that guy, his he had southern no, voice, he had, that guy moly. had no reptiles. 
He went to a guy's house who had Aldabras. And then got Aldabras. And then the first thing he bought was an Aldabra. I was like, jeez. <laughs> and then he bought like a monitor and then he yeah. bought a retic. And then like. <laughs> I think his wife, I think he said his wife has a bearded dragon. He jumped full yeah. head. But no, listening listen to Kai talk about the monitors, like the, that's a, just so much time. It's, it, well, we really get spoiled with snakes. And don't get me wrong. I know Lori Torini, she does a lot with, with the intelligence of snakes and training the snakes and all that stuff. But we really get spoiled with the fact that we can put it in a box and just like look at it and feed it and we're good. But you can't do that shit with a monitor. Not if you want to be able to hold it. Like I can go hold one of these snakes that's in a box that I haven't held in two or three weeks. Well, like, a monitor takes time and trust and And the, time the guest and that time. they had on episode three, he was talking about how he put one of his shirts from work like in with the monitor and made it like a little hammock. And so now the monitor and the lizard, has, he, it's gotten used to him and it's gotten more comfortable with him and it's starting to trust him more. But like if his wife even walks by the open door of the room, the lizard is like, well, it shuts down. Yeah. He'll be feeding. Like he'll done. be feeding. But as soon as someone else walks in, it stops eating. Like, like I said before, I, when I talk about venomous snakes, I like things like Kaboon Vipers. I don't like things like a lapids. I don't want my, my things smarter than me. And it's crazy. And monitors are very, very smart. With that said, I really want. Ackies at some point, like just miniature monitors. That might be a when you're done with teaching purchase. When you're a house dad, Ackies would be a safe monitor because you know, well, while they could still get a nip on you, I won't lose a finger. You're not going to, you're not going to lose a hand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and you can keep like two or three, like in a big enough cage, you can keep them like communally, and it'd be kind of cool to like a male and a couple females. So another thing I got posted this week, and I laughed my ass off. I don't know if either one of y'all watched it, but Ryan Goslow posted a video of a bumblebee, of a honeybee. <laughs> from TikTok. Yes. From TikTok. I don't have TikTok. <laughs> and they, so. they added the sound effect. I mean, all you hear is screaming, and all of a sudden this bee comes into focus, and then it slams right into the side of the beehive and falls. Yeah. Hilarious. It, it's funnier every time you watch yes. it. Like, yes. I, I have watched it like 50 I don't. Times. I, it was funny, and but James has laughed oh my God. so hard. Because you don't like you're just watching it at first, like what the hell is that screaming noise? And also this bee just comes out of nowhere and bam, right into the side of the thing. Oh, that's funny. I posted this article earlier. Oh yeah, I saw this. Um, so every now and then I'll scroll through and a, a reptile article will pop up. And so I shared this on my personal page and I definitely feel like it needs to be shared more. So in Texas, in Willis, Texas, a dog fought a 25 pound exotic lizard in a backyard battle. So says the article. Oh, so that's, they really painted that article. Um, it was a pit bull boxer cross that encountered a huge exotic lizard, um, they're claiming it weighs, I need everybody to understand <sighs> there were air quotes around huge lizard. They, um, they mentioned that it was a black and white tegu. They have no clue where it came from when I'm not sure what, it, whatever agency it was that caught it. Whenever they caught it, there's some like private owned that, that does that comes in and does the exotics. They stuff. were talking about how it wasn't in great health. So obviously it was one that someone had let go because they couldn't afford to take it to the vet. But then the woman goes on to talk about how, you know, had it been her smaller dog or her child, the lizard would have eaten it and well, killed said, them. And so I was it, like, I'm going to need y'all to The dog somehow tore its ACL. Oh, yeah. Apparently this fight was like, it was like a $6,000 vet bill. Um, I don't know. I've, I've owned some So she was like. Thinking. 
she was like, so now not only do we have to worry about snakes and you know raccoons, now we have to worry about these massive lizards. And I'm just like, the whole thing was just very bad for our community. And I'm like, you know what? Stop letting your shit go. If you can't handle it, rehome it. Well, it's right on the tails of Georgia and Florida. Uh, it's just Georgia trying to get rid of, you can't own tegus and Florida, this whole issue. Um, and what, what bothers me about this is that they'll use this as a case to not own tegus. Mm-hmm. But how many dogs have been attacked by other dogs that were let loose or no one, you know, that weren't with their owner? Oh, yeah. And fought. Like that's, but they don't outlaw dogs. So yappy little ankle biters bite people more than the quote unquote aggressive bully breeds. Well, my dog doesn't even get me my started dog's not aggressive. on this. She's a big old sissy. It's a battle that we fought recently. What? It's the argument of they're the warm, fuzzy, cute things, and nobody um, cares about what the warm, fuzzy, cute things are doing because they're warm and they're fuzzy and they're cute. Well, I just taught invasive species to my uh, environmental science class, and I made my kids well aware of that I feel every cat outside should be shot and killed. Not tortured. I need to make sure everybody understands. Not tortured. And if you love cats, I'm not saying we should shoot your cat unless it's outside. But And then I explain. If it's a wild hog, we kill it because it destroys native wildlife. If it's nutria, we kill it. It's invasive. If it's anything at uh, silver carp, we kill it. But all of a sudden we get to cat which does a lot of damage to wildlife. And we're like, eh, it's okay. And I swear the next person tells me it's its job to do that, I'm going to punch him in the face. So it's funny that you bring that up. Sean Gray and I were talking a couple months back, I think it was. And when his girls took their last SAT, the big written response was it, it had to do with cats being an yeah, they wrote about feral cats, and they wrote all about feral cats, like on their SAT. all the damage. Yeah, their SAT, and he said think... they nailed that writing yeah. response. That's well, cats. yeah, they've got reptile backgrounds. It's going to be great. <laughs> that was funny. Well, I mean, it's this is going to be a never-ending battle for us as a hobby, um, and you know, this is one of the things where I think we don't do ourselves any favors with the way we make our arguments yeah yeah it's absolutely true that you know the number one invasive species in the u.s is cats um but the more we just sit there and point at that and act like what has happened within our hobby is irrelevant is it's damaging to us and as a community, we need to be more, more, I guess, honest and take ownership of what has been done, but do it in a constructive and forward-thinking way. I mean, yes, Burmese pythons are a problem in the Everglades. I don't think anybody in their right mind would say they are not a problem there. You know, now that was not a pet incident. That was Hurricane Andrew wiping out a warehouse of skin trade animals. But it doesn't change the fact that they're there. You know, we should support efforts to control and contain them. You know, do I think 
Florida deciding to ban them and iguanas and tegus is a little bit of closing the barn door after the horse is gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, stopping somebody from owning an iguana in Florida right now isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah, they've been there since like the the 30s. Right. Well, they've been there since before that. There's like pictures in, uh, you know, at the turn of the century, the 19th century, where there are iguanas in the pictures. Um, But we can't just say the reptile invasives aren't important because the cats are more invasive and they cause the bigger problem. We have to take ownership of, you know, we have to take ownership of our, our side of the hobby and say, look, yes, we know that they're a problem. And yes, we do support, you know, control efforts to try and reduce them. And I think too many people take the time to just point at cats and try to completely deflect. Oh, I agree. My problem is that the general public and government's answer to this is just bans. That's, that's my problem is that there, I've got no problem admitting that we have invasive reptile problems and especially in South Florida, but their answer to fixing it is bans. Whereas with a cat, we ignore the problem and it's never going to be a ban. That's never going to be the issue. Um, Right. And that's, I guess I'm not articulating myself. Well, I agree. I don't think bans are the right way to go about it, but I don't think trying to convince, you know, state and local governments that they shouldn't ban our lizards because cats are a bigger problem and they don't ban cats. It's like, it's just a deflection and that's not, that's not telling them that we see there is a problem here and we agree that there's a problem here and coming up with an alternative, you know, saying to them, look, you're right. The wild iguanas are a problem. The wild Burmese pythons are a problem. And we agree that they're a problem that needs to be taken care of. We disagree on banning them. This is our proposal to you. And we need to have some kind of coherent, we as a community need to have some kind of coherent, proactive approach. I think, I think US ARC does a great job, but I think we rely on US ARC too much to the point that all US ARC has done because they've been spread so thin is they have become reactive. You know, they can only go in after the fact. We need to start coming up with things proactively, you know. That makes sense. If we if we can find ways to, you know. Prevent. Prevent and support and, you know, to show responsibility. Like, one thing that I have been looking into and seriously considering for myself and trying to promote is, you know, like microchipping. It costs like five bucks to get one of those microchips. Yeah. Get them in bulk, and and you can put a microchip. They're they're the size of a grain of rice these days. You could put that in a baby ball python. Okay, so you could easily put that in berms, retics, scrubs, carpets, tegus, iguanas, pretty much anything. And if we're saying, look, you know. Proactive big breeders are microchipping their animals. So if we do start finding things in the wild and fish and wildlife or whoever gets a hold of them 
scans it and that microchip pops up, then we can go directly back to who caused the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we all know in the hobby that most of these animals, not all of them, but most of them are not just from somebody being like, screw it, I'm tired of my animal, I throw it out the window. But if we have this large population of people microchipping their animals and very few of the animals they're picking up out of the wild are microchipped, then that puts the power on our side because we're like, look, we've been microchipping as a community and very few of the animals that you're finding are microchipped. So that shows these aren't animals that are coming from responsible breeders. You know, if it is a bunch of microchipped animals that they're finding, they're immediately able to go back to those keepers that are the problem. Yeah. And then you can specifically target those problem keepers. Well, and Nathan posted a, an article from Reptiles Magazine, which was about Florida right now doing a free microchipping for all those banned animals. If you if you can get a, a permit, you already had an animal before the ban, uh, they will microchip it for free. Um, and so I guess if, it, if something does happen, they can trace it back to you. But still. Well, in the comments on, on that post, so a lot of people are concerned that this is just the government's way to track what you have. Um, but you know, so if you don't want, if you don't want fish and wildlife chipping your animals, chip your own animals. Like I said, you can can get those chips. They're not expensive. I need to get my tortoises chipped. And today was an example of why I need to, for sure. We got home and our neighbor comes and knocks our door and goes, there's a tortoise over by my camper. And I'm like, no, my tortoises. And then sure enough, my smallest one got out and I'm like, how, well, they have a pin that they definitely can't get out of the pin that I made for them. Lately, we've opened the door on it, and we let them roam the entire fenced-in yard. Well, she found an area of the fence where there was just enough area for her to push, and she pushed straight underneath the chain-link fence and got out. Luckily, we got her back, and she's in, and we closed them up in in their pen, and they can't get out of it. But I definitely need to chip them for that. I've seen seen people take the, like, epoxy uh, little thing, like a dog tag onto the tortoises, but that just seems messed up because that tortoise shell is still growing. I I can't epoxy something to the shell. It just feels weird. No. But I definitely want to get them chipped. So if that happens, they go to a vet, they scan them, I can get my tortoise back. Uh, because this is the only this is the only time they've ever gotten out. And I, and I knew that was I should have locked them up. But they've been doing pretty good, roaming the yard, and they, they go back to their pen. But we got her back. I did realize she was much bigger because when my daughter picked her up and brought her to me, I was like, that's not my tortoise. And then I held her and I got her back and to the our, yard. Our neighbor and I were like, who else's tortoise could it be, James? It has to be ours. Well, my first thought was someone knew that because I've heard people say they knew that we had tortoises. Yeah. And then someone just you came in and like, dropped one off. Because that happens. But because we were at a softball game and apparently oh. my mom wants a tortoise. She said there's this person, this family that has tortoises in this neighborhood. I was like, yeah, that's that's us. Yeah. That's, so. Yeah, she's like, oh, my mom and, and her mom doesn't even live in this neighborhood. House. And like to find our house, you have to go way out of the way. Well, she's friends with one of our neighbors, gotcha. and our neighbor was telling her about our tortoises. She actually just got tortoises; they arrived yesterday, um, or today, I forget. But, um, anyways, but she apparently drives by our house like multiple times a week. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're that house. Although when we move to Texas, we won't be that house. They'll still be here. They will. They will not be moving with us yet. My dad's trading in chickens for tortoises. That's true. They're going to take care of our tortoises. <laughs> I was going to say, you're not getting rid of them, are you? No, no, no. no, 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 no. I do They're going to stay here until we buy. We're renting, and when we buy a house, we'll bring them over. Right, that makes sense. It's hard to convince someone you're renting from, oh, these things are going to destroy this backyard. Is that cool? Yeah. Of course. It's totally cool. 
Uh, let's see. Other things that got posted this week. Travis Wyman posted oh, a new frog species. The little pumpkin toadlet. Oh, what the hell is that thing? It's so cute. It's a bright orange, funky looking toad. I love toad. it. And they're little. They are. Uh, we have a giant tree frog that's living on our porch right now. It is a giant tree frog, yeah. I, it, I need was, him to relocate from our trash can. He was on our trash can earlier. And Katie goes, what are you going to do with this? I like, just, I'll take the trash out later. He'll jump off the can later. It's, it's fine. I didn't just want to move him from the porch to the road. There's also a new paper on, um, was it Stimson's pythons, I think? Antaresia. Yeah, Antaresia in general. Uh, that got posted a couple times, and I also saw it in some other stuff. But I need to read that paper. I want to read that. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to read it either. Scott posted it, and he sent it to me, but I was at work, so. Uh, since, I own, since I own an Antaresia, I'll go ahead and read an article on Antaresia. Uh, oh, and then Travis posted while we were talking the thing he talked about from Zach about the uh, herp needs and all that, the natural history. And so this is that Scott's oh, different. Uh, no, this is a different one. Yeah, Zach's working on a uh, a hog nose book. Oh, that's cool. And he's soliciting information from people in the hobby. You know, the type of stuff that they would like to hear. So I had him make it public so it could cross post across. Um, you know, that's if pretty you cool. See that, yeah, if you see that and you've got ideas, hit Zach up. I know that he would greatly appreciate it. And you know, he's. I think it's awesome to have somebody who's writing a book seek the information out of, you know, the community, but they want to hear it. Yeah. Robert, you got hog noses. I'm sure there's something you want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and I haven't mentioned this name all night. So I'll mention now John Grant. John Grant has a bunch of hog noses. John Grant and Callie Grant. And Callie Grant. But that is cool. Duh. Well, and he, he comes at it. Well, he talked about on, um, on NPR, he did a paper and it got the the people reviewing the paper at one point said, it, it seems like this paper is aimed at the hobbyist, but the people reviewing the paper were like, I don't think the hobbyist would want to read this. And he's like, well, you're wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, the hobbyists, especially for certain species, like there's, you know, maybe there, there, there are nerds of all species, but some of them have more that like really want to know some of the natural history and stuff, and and they'll take any paper, no matter what it is. Yeah, and the majority of that paper, I mean, conceptually, it's about method-based keeping, but he was specifically talking about it in terms of false water cobras. Yeah. You know, I don't have false water cobras. I don't want false water cobras. But I read that paper, and I, I mean, I read it over like three times because it's a damn good paper, <laughs> and. Regardless of the fact that it's about false water covers, it still has good information that you can take home and that you can apply to your own animals. So just because it's not an animal you're keeping doesn't mean it can't give you insights to the animals that you're keeping. Yeah. I don't want a false water cobra. That's a that's a big snake and they poop a lot because they're in that whole group of animals that like to eat weird things and poop a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're, ex- they're they're smart. And they're marginally warm in terms of being hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't need any any warm snakes. I'm good. I think that's all I got. I'm looking. I think. I think we covered everything. Let me make sure. 
before I say we've covered everything, and someone goes, we didn't cover that. Oh, Matt, I was looking at the things Max Hicks posted. I saw a snake eating its own face. Yeah, we talked about that. But still, I got to figure that out. I don't understand that thing. Yeah, I don't either. I wish there had been like video footage of it just to help me understand what the hell was going on. It's almost like when you see a... You know when they have the surgeries to help regrow like part of your hand or your finger, and they're after a surgery they put it inside your body and then sew it up inside the body. It looks like that, like they sewed the head inside the neck. Well, like Trimbach said, when they when he got bit by the the cobra, they wanted to sew his finger to his chest for like six months, and he's yeah. like, "No, nah, just cut the finger off." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was. He's like, "I'd rather have, not have the finger than have my hand sewn to my chest for six months." Yeah, I like I like that weighing the weighing the options there. Yeah, he's like I don't need ten fingers, nine <laughs> yeah. to get by. Speaking of um, speaking of what regeneration, so um, I have Spanish rib newts, and we have one that has yeah poor man's uh, axolotl. We yeah, so we have one that has transformed. There we go. Anyway, so it has moved on to the next phase. (laughs) He's moved he's moved on. (laughs) He's moved on to the next phase. That's that's not the right terminology. Um, (laughs) He didn't die. It's nine o'clock and I'm tired. We were worried at first because I like I didn't realize that these weren't like axolotls and that they do actually go through the change. And like it's it's the change. (laughs) It's going through the change. But it's it's gills, the frilled gills that started like shrink up. I was like, oh shit, we burned its gills or so we did something bad. And then I realized like the fin on the back of its back was gone. He was starting to get some little spots on him. His head no longer looked like a goofy-ass little baby salamander. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no. He's just turning into an adult. But he was missing a foot, and now he has toes on his nub. It's growing back. Yeah. <laughs> his I was nub. like, shit, how am I going to tell him apart now? <laughs> <laughs> the other one is still in baby mode. Because the other one had, like, a chunk missing out of a back fin, and that's starting to grow back. And then this one was missing a foot. And now it's starting to grow back. It doesn't matter. He'll be he'll be losing the foot at some point when they bite each other and take it off. <sighs> they're such I'm, they're little punks to each other. I watched the other day. They're eating, and one just turns up, and I saw him get up right next to the other one. I was like, he's about to fucking bite him. Sure enough, whole head in his mouth. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just see like, you can see his thought process like I'm gonna bite. And they this. did it again tonight. I was like, stop it. They're little punks. Fat newts. You're Spanish. They're so much fun. Spanish fat newts. I love them. <laughs> oh. But you, you didn't know that salamanders could basically grow back? Anymore? Well, I did, but I didn't expect that it would happen over the course of like a two week period of time. Oh, like, yeah, I know, fact. I know, like, I didn't, like, I don't know what I, when I thought it was going to ever grow back. Well, but. I know, I know axolotls because they're, they're a freak of nature. They can regrow everything and there's so many weird things you can do with them. I just didn't think about it with these. No, I definitely didn't almost, think that it was changing. Yeah, almost all salamanders have radical regenerative properties. Like, it's uh oh. <laughs> Not only is he beating on the desk, now he's playing symbols. You've got your fidget spinner over there, Travis. No, it was my wedding ring. I was like, um, I see that's a wedding ring. I know that. I have, my, I have yeah. my little mini snake coat. James James has a little lime green fidget spinner that he just randomly spins on the desk. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I spin mine across my finger and sometimes my fingers were swollen, so I didn't wear mine today. So I was not, single today. <laughs> Good luck with that. Oh, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. We got books this weekend. Oh, we did get a book. I did want to talk about that. We got multiple books this weekend. I, I got to read. That. I haven't had a chance to really read this. We've skimmed through it, and you read some of it to me while we were driving. But we, after our our meat coma from the Brazilian steakhouse, 
<laughs> we we went to the bookstore and we closed the bookstore. We did. Uh, but they had this book, Secrets of Snakes: The Science Beyond the Myths by David A. Steen, and it's actually it's really really good. It's it's the guys from Texas A and M, and it's all those goofy ass snake myths that we hear all the time. But it's the science behind that and basically explaining uh, why it's wrong, but in a very good way. And uh, I really like it. It's you know it's it's got some of those ones. Let me, I'll read you just a couple of chapter titles. <laughs> this is a great one. How can you tell a copperhead from a cotton mouth? That's a great one. Uh, can you tell if a snake is venomous by the shape of its pupils? That one always gets me. Because to be able to do it, you have to get really fucking close to the eyes. And it's not accurate. But even if it was accurate, who's getting that close to the eyes? Well, I mean, there's there's a similar meme of, you know, if you look at the anal plates of the snake, you can tell whether or not it's venomous or not. I'm not going to poke snakes in butthole to find out whether or not it's venomous. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you're that close to the snake, you're going to find out if it's venomous when he bites you for trying to stick your finger up his butt. <laughs> Everything would bite for that. There's also a uh... Can you fall into a nest of cottonmouths? What movie is it that ruined that for everybody that thinks it's Lonesome a real Dove. That's okay. I know that's what like, the horse or whatever falls into it, doesn't it? Uh, the horse throws the rider. Horse throws the rider. Yeah. That's right. Uh, th- this one, are rattlesnakes rattling less because of hogs? I want to read that because I have, I know like there's the island, the island of rattlesnakes that don't rattle because they don't really have a reason to warn anything off because there's no predators. Yes. Well, the first um, yeah, the, the hogs one, it, it, you, there are so many different derivations of that. Like you hear about it in the towns that do the roundups too, and that they've learned that people are hunting them, so they've stopped rattling. Or <laughs> they're really because, smart, right? Or because they're being hunted so much, only the ones that don't develop rattles are getting left behind, so they're all losing their rattles. So the first one that I opened to read was, is this snake poisonous? And the first paragraph in that chapter, he goes into very well explanation of the difference and how all that works and breaks down poison and venom. And it's, it's really cool. Like I've, I really have enjoyed well, the parts a, of this book that I've read. And he does a few like uh, species profiles. He does a species profile on decays brown snakes, which is a good one because that's the one everybody thinks are baby copperheads mm-hmm. always. Yeah. Uh, he does one on gopher snakes because people think gopher snakes are rattlesnakes. Uh, and he does one on rat snakes, which get blamed for being everything. Does when he when he has the is the snake poisonous? Does he talk about the only genus of poisonous snakes there are? Though? He does. He does. Yeah. He does. Which was really cool because I was like, I didn't know about this I information, did. and yeah. James was like, Oh yeah, and then started telling me all about it. In the Talks car. about how the toad they eat the toads and they're able to store yeah. The, the venom and the and they have the nucleus along the back of their neck. But what I really love about it, and this is no offense to present company, he talks and writes in a way that, like, my fifth graders could pick up this book and understand it. Yeah, so no one can understand you, Travis. No, 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 no. That's not what I was <laughs> Travis has dumbed stuff down for me more times than I can count. I know that uh, I go into jargon talk. I mean, we had that earlier. We were talking about the book and it's Nick. So I was like, how do right. I say this? Like, that went way too far. But I, I really – but. This book, I could easily get a copy of it for my classroom, and my kids could read it and understand what was going on. Well, it had really the, good photography. The photographs in this are absolutely outstanding as well. Yeah, no, um, I, I don't know him personally, but I have I have seen his stuff before, and David is a very 
effective science communicator in that regard. We need to reach out to him and have him on. That sounds like a That'd great awesome. project for you, James. I will. I'll reach out to him. Because <laughs> I have 40 I, uh, million things on well, my I, list. It's, it's funny. I've got, I've got a lot of snake books. And this is the first one I picked up where I was like, ooh, I actually really want – not that I don't want to read the other ones. But like I, I usually get snake books just because there's a snake and, and I'll get them. And we and bought they had a lot two of copies. copies, but yeah. when we left there, they had zero. Yeah, that's so right. We bought, we both, bought both copies. But I, I really want to read this. And there's a lot of lot of Nerodia pictures. So a lot of Travis's favorite snakes. You know, they're all cotton mouths. Every <laughs> single Nerodia. It's all a cotton mouth. Yeah. Well, that's one oh. in here. It talks about will a cotton mouth fall out of a tree into my boat, which is a great one because no, it won't. It'll be a Nerodia. That's funny. Because their fat asses aren't climbing up on branches. <laughs> but yeah, so I was excited about that book. And then I borrowed uh, Oh, you borrowed I from borrowed Robert? a book from Robert. The Dave Kaufman. Dave Kaufman's book. So I'm excited yeah. to read that this week. You gotta weekend. read that for me and then give me the cliff notes. I will. I may read it to you in the car while you drive. No, I need to stay awake while driving. Oh hush. I'll pass out to that one. Not that that's nothing against Dave. I just although I do say that, and there are nights where I can't sleep, and so I'll make him come, and I'm like, "Hey, come talk to me about stuff," and I'll make him randomly start talking to me, and I'll fall asleep while he's talking. <laughs> that's my go-to. Yeah, great nights. You pull me away from awesome TV. To I talk know. To <laughs> so, Robert, do you have any? Oh, Robert's on. At least on mute. What, it's what? Rachel. It is Rachel. <laughs> Sorry, I was. Showing her uh, a snake that one of our friends has been trying to hit the odds on for a while. I can't say what it is, but uh, he hit the odds on the one he's been trying. Seven clutches and about 60 eggs, and he finally hit it. But the only negative was it's a a female, not a male. But Uh, uh, he's pretty happy. Robert, you got anything else going on? Not my money back. Nope. (laughs) Just just hanging out there. Yep. Sorry. You hear me? Oh, I did. There was a video I saw that yeah, I wanted. You sent us a video. I did send. I know neither one of y'all watched it, so <laughs> I'll put off to go ahead. No, I did not. not at all, because y'all never do when I send it. That's because if it's really important, you will sit on the couch next to me, or you will come in the bedroom, and you'll be like, "Hey, stop what you're doing. We're watching this video." I, I actually, oops, oh crap. What did I do? It went away. Hold on. I subscribed to this this woman's podcast or not podcast, her YouTube channel. I hadn't seen it before. It's girl with scales on youtube but she did a great one on how to get your snake out of their enclosure uh different ways to get your snake out of the enclosure but how to get it out without getting bit and of course she posts that kind of stuff on social media you're gonna have all those guys and she mentions it talking about the well that's part of the fun which is just stupid no one i'm pretty sure travis has never been like oh man i can't wait till these kookery snakes bite me (laughs) so much fun (laughs) i would love this no the the last thing i want to skip Slice open, just slice open and, and work its way into your arm and start eating from the inside. Well, I mean, they, so I've been like, I have, I have taken a quick, you know, because of my own careless, a quick hit, you know, and it's like a glancing blow and it's got me, but I have heard a lot of bite reports from them. They don't just like bite, they bite and then they twist. It's like a goose. They just give you a spiral cut with those teeth. Oh, damn. Like a weird little death roll. Yes. Well, she so. she talks about in her video um, a lot about gaining, gaining trust and, you know, and using a hook to kind of let the snake know you're there and proper ways to – the big thing is – and I tell people like this when I sell Samboas. Try not to come from above and grab your Samboa. 
because for most small animals, especially snakes, that's a predator. If anything is coming down from above and grabbing you, it's usually going to bite. So try and lift from below. Uh, if you've got larger snakes, you can use a hook to kind of bring the first third of the body into your hand or the last third if you want to and help work your hand up and pull them out. But she does a really good job of talking her way through this and then showing you with several of her snakes the different ways to do it, especially like some of them are like snakes that are wrapped around things. It shows you how to properly try and get them out of an enclosure that has maybe a lot of uh, furniture in it and the snakes wrapped around it. Uh, also, the idea that sometimes it's okay to just, if it doesn't want to come out, close it up. It leave yeah, it leave it. Like those moments where it starts flailing around, just close the door, close the tub, whatever. And today's not the day. That's uh, awesome. So that was a really good video. I like that. I actually subscribed. She's got several videos, but I like that one. <laughs> Very cool, man. So that was my that was my YouTube thing. Oh, then I watched uh, Snake Discovery. They opened the retail part of their new shop. That's awesome. No, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, the, the zoo. I don't know when the zoo's opening, but the new the retail part of the shop is open, which I'm sure they're happy so, considering they've they've started this thing right before COVID and have made no money off of it until finally now. Some of us don't have Mondays and Fridays off for the rest of the school year, so. We don't get to watch uh, very many videos. I'm only taking one more Friday and Monday off. This Friday. Well, okay, so I had 49 sick days, and I found out that I don't get to do anything with them when I leave. So I decided I was going to start having four day weekends for the rest of the school year. Uh, And it worked out, but this is the last Friday and Monday coming up. And then I decided there's two weeks left of school. I might as well stay there and like educate the future of America or whatever. Right. Dude, that's so cool. So I just got an email. ARS shipped my tubs today, and they shipped them UPS freight, so they'll be here Tuesday, Friday morning. Wait. What? They'll be here Friday morning? Yeah. We yeah. said Tuesday, and then I got really I worried that this was about yeah, to take a really bad turn. Oh, because yesterday was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Friday morning is good, especially since you're yeah. like 20 minutes away from the, the show. Menu. Right. So even if I have to leave one of the guys at the shop to receive the shipment while we go unload, we can do that. So, hey, folks, if you need a rack, come out to Stafford this weekend. He's going to actually have stuff to sell you. Yeah. It's a relief. Yeah. Rachel heard that. She got happy, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's crazy. Okay. If you wonder why I haven't said a lot tonight is because I've been completely preoccupied with is my shit gonna get here and <laughs> now it's gonna get here Thank it's a big God. weight off your shoulders yeah you've, been, you've also been busy this week ago. making deli cup displays yep one of which i completely screwed up today so i have to cut new parts tomorrow oh. <laughs> way to go yeah you know it happens all right fellas what i'm fading i need dinner well, then, you know what, Robert? If people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? <laughs> um, Love you, mean it. LSReptileRacks.com. Lone Star Reptile Racks on Facebook, Instagram. Or uh, yeah, or find any any of the five million posts where I tag Robert when anybody's like, hey, I need a rack. I mean, Travis yep. is an hour ahead of us, y'all. It's almost 930 here, which means it's almost 1030 there. And I'm about and to call it Oh my gosh, Travis, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? So, Travis Wyman on Facebook. I am not the BMX racer. <laughs> I almost that. said that. <laughs> don't, don't try to friend him. He's not going to understand why you're friending him. Um, or I have snakes and bakes on Instagram. 
Snakes and bakes. I love it. Or Esplendii on email. A-S-P-L-U-N-D-I-I at Gmail. All right. James, if people want to get a hold of you. Contact Travis. No, no, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh. Simply Serpents on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Contact is, the Reptile Jumbo Podcast. This is sad. He knows this better than I do, and I'm your wife and a co-host. That's because Travis likes me. That simply bio. Yes. That's true. Very true. Hey, somebody here has somewhat of a reptile will and has written me into it, and it's not you. That's right. Travis loves you more. Because well, you're on I your own for dinner tonight. <laughs> about doing this podcast is we always know when Travis is listening because it might be 10 <laughs> o'clock at night and he's sending us messages about the things we say about him. That's why, that's why I talk shit about him, just so uh, I know that he listens you're still. You're such a mess. <laughs> oh. such a Travis, mess. thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, man. And thanks for answering, apparently, all the cooking questions. It was an had. awesome episode. Everyone had cooking questions. Yeah. Hey, yeah. They have cooking questions. They need to ask those too. That's right. Make sure you go ahead and you cook, make those whatever things with chocolate chips so that Bill can have you make them with something else next time. There you go. Cranberries. That would be good. Do you like cranberries? I like cranberry jelly. Does that count? That's not the same thing. No, that's definitely not the same thing. But it's got to be shaped like a can. No, sir. No. I mean, I don't eat it either way, but... What? I love cranberry. That's my favorite part of Thanksgiving. You get that? You have the weirdest taste buds of anybody. You put it on a biscuit, and that shit is awesome. Robert, I can't wait to cook for people that will actually eat regular food. Robert's not a fan of eating. Well, like like tonight, when I was making dinner, I was like, James wouldn't eat this because it's cabbage. Nope. And carrots and nope. potatoes and I, I eat potatoes. As long as there's no mu- as long as there's no mushrooms, yeah. I'll totally eat anything and try it. And if there's mushrooms, I'll just pick them out and then I'll eat it anyways. It's the one thing I'm not a fan of. Hey, y'all talk about my eating habits. I've lost thirty pounds. Thank yeah, you very much. you're fixing to go see a doctor about that too. No one's like, ooh, they need to go see a doctor. Mm. They lost weight. We're good. We don't know why you're losing it. Because I eat less. Unless I go out and eat with Robert. But you're warm. not I gained, working like, out. I gained five pounds the week I was with Robert. <laughs> We eat good Mexican here. Eat Mexican. <laughs> eat Mexican Country every day. Eat Mexican every day. <laughs> well, that's why he's losing weight. He got to take one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, everybody, don't forget to uh, send us the four different snakes from our four different episodes to be entered into our giveaway for this month. Uh, next month's giveaway will be pretty good, I think. If next month's giveaway person still wants to give away something next month. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and then he freezes. Huh? Do that. <laughs> I say, I say shit like that, and he's like, "Nope." And it's yes, all right. I do. Uh, I lost. Oh, there we go. He's back. He's back. He's back. <laughs> I'm back. Well, and then Travis wasn't moving on his My screen, internet. so I was like, "Crap! Did they? Did our internet mess up?" <laughs> uh, yes. Next month, the person still wants to give away something. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, if I can guess. All right. So we will talk to everybody next week. Thank you all for listening. Travis, we better better end this before my shit crashes. Let's get out of here before everything breaks. Good night. Good night. Good night.